welcome to the Envision Rise podcast show, a podcast that helps foster respect through inclusion, service, and equity. Now here's your host, Stacey Hegarty. Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast. I'm Stacey Hegarty, Vice President of Equity and Inclusion for Envision Rise. Our guest today is Steph Rogers, Creative Director of Story Jam. Thanks for joining us, Steph. Thank you so much, Stacey. Great to be here. Oh, we're so glad you could join us. So you've got a lot to share with us. And for our listeners, normally we are talking about workforce. We're talking about what happens in organizations with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Today, we're going to very, we're going to veer from that path just a little bit and let's get creative. Let's talk about art. Let's talk about the way that we get diversity, equity, and inclusion outside of the workplace and obviously some of the workplace too, because that can be a very creative aspect as well. But Steph, tell me about Story Jam. We have so much to talk about. This is (laughs) we have enough time for all of this. It's so much. Well, first of all, I'll yes, I'll let I'll tell you about Story Jam. So what we do is we have a show. It's called Story Jam, and we we spotlight diverse voices. We tell personal narratives on a stage. And then we have a 10-piece band that responds to each story. So you hear a story and then you hear a song that we've written that the band plays. We've written it ahead of time. We've gotten the story ahead of time. So you hear story, song, story, song, story, song. That's our main show. So now we've grown into having two live shows a month. And one is in Chicago and one is outside of Chicago, just outside of Chicago. And then we have a third thing that we do that's an online open mic storytelling event every month hosted by a wonderful associate of ours named Corey May. But then after all that started to become a thing, people started to ask us to teach storytelling in classes and in workshops and in companies. So we do trainings for storytelling. So we teach people how to basically infuse personal narratives into their pitches and their meetings and their inter- interactions with their clients. But we also teach individual stories and then we host retreats. So there's a lot of stuff that we do, all very focused on DEI. Absolutely, inclusion is at the very center of our... Why storytelling? I mean, from a person who is famous for her terrible storytelling skills, <laughs> because if you come on a journey with me, we're taking some side quests. But <laughs> tell me... Why is storytelling so important? Obviously in theater, it has to be there. or Otherwise you've got nothing for people to enjoy. But why storytelling for outside of theater, for outside of the arts? Come on, every day is filled with stories. So at the end of the day, when you talk to somebody or when you call your mom or whomever you might talk to, it's all stories. You wouldn't believe what happened to me today. Oh my gosh, I got fired and then I got rehired and then I got fired again and I had an argument. Everything is a story, right? So when you tell a story, if you're veering off the path of the story, at least hopefully you're keeping that narrative in focus. So you have this path, you have a narrative path. We call it narrative structure. It's in every, if you go back to English classes in high school, you learned maybe a little bit about narrative structure. The hero has a conflict. The hero has a problem. What was life like before the problem? Then this problem happens. And then what does the protagonist do to get out of that problem? That's the, Those are stories that we know how to structure stories naturally. We've learned them. We tell them every day. But if you're, there's a difference between an anecdote and a story. So an anecdote is, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe this. I got fired and then I got rehired and then I got fired again. 
wow, what a day. That's an anecdote, but it becomes a story in the sense that we embrace storytelling in the storytelling world of performance. We say that stories really have more of a transformation so that the protagonist, which is you, because it's your story told in the first person, it's about you, it's your life, something that happened to you. So we say that you had a transformation of some kind. This pivotal moment in your life became transformative. So when we teach people storytelling, we say, let's, okay, anecdotes are cool. You probably have millions of anecdotes. This thing happened, you wouldn't believe it. The car caught on fire, we did this and we did that and we went here, we went there. But, but when it becomes a moment of transformation, that's when we know that it's a true story. So talk to me about transformation. How does that impact people in their personal growth? How does it impact organizations? When someone tells their story, what I often find in DE&I work is it's a whole lot harder to hate someone when you know their story. Do you find that in your work? Do you find that in the storytelling that happens in, in with your organization? Yeah, heck yes. And you know what? That's the whole point of it. So if we look different, you, if you and I look different and I see you on stage and I say, she looks nothing like me, she has no experiences like mine. But then you sit, start to tell your story. Then I say, oh my gosh, you've been through. And then we engender compassion and empathy for each other and we build bridges. That's what how we see storytelling is. The more diverse voices we see uh, in a room and on a stage and in a classroom and the more we can share our stories and really understand each other. And we've worked with companies in this capacity where senior level executives are seem so removed and distant from everybody else, from the junior level and from everybody else working at the company. But then when that senior tells a story about, by the way, I don't know if any of you, you know this, but here's how I got into this business. And if they, if there's some kind of it humanizes the person if there's some kind of struggle and I made it here and here I am today. And I, it's, I'm so proud to be here because I know what I've been through. Then suddenly they're a human being and they're not just the head of the company. It's so important that we start building. You mentioned building bridges and let's talk about bridge building. Let's talk about even from the, from your shows. Let's start there that you're, how do you go about building a show? How do you go about creating music to go along with that story that, and how do you get the audience to become invested in what's happening on the stage? Because sometimes when people are on stage, it can feel removed and you've got to be able to build that bridge. And I know music does that and having appropriate stories does that. How do you get performers there? How do you do this? <laughs> Good question. Here's what you do. So you, first of all, you, you, people who are up on stage telling stories are usually experienced at telling stories, right? So they know how to structure a story and they know how to hold an audience's attention, but it's not like a play. I studied theater in college and theater in the theater, we, we learn to be a blank canvas so that we can be a Shakespearean actor and put on a voice and a physicality. We're a blank canvas as actors. But in storytelling, we magnify our own personal quirks and traits. So if you see, I talk with my hands a lot, right? So knowing that I talk with my hands, that's just going to be something I will do on stage. And as long as I'm aware that I'm doing it and I'm using it in storytelling, it's an expression of who I am, right? So when we put people on a stage, we want them to be more of an amplified version of who they really are 
rather than a character because that helps the audience relate to that person more. Whatever, however, whatever, however you speak or however you move, you do it, embrace it even more on a stage because that's who you are. So that also makes people a little more relatable. And then we also, when we build a show, putting a show together is so fun. It's a blast because we're inviting people to tell stories and we're, we have different experiences. And by the way, I have to say that we had one storyteller tell a story about a drug addiction issue. And so he had drug addiction and he didn't behave his best because of the addiction. But here he is on stage, fully recovered and telling that story about his challenges. And we are seeing him opening himself up and being a little bit vulnerable. So this guy who talked about doing not such great things and having not such a great moment in his life, <laughs> after he got off stage, a lot of people in the audience just crowded around him to give him hugs and say, oh my gosh, that was such an amazing story. And it's isn't that cool that somebody who talks about their something not showing themselves in the best light that they can really touch an audience to the mm -hmm. point that the audience wants to talk to them afterward and be there so when we structure a show we definitely make sure that the storytellers are aware of of how to put a story together and then we get the stories ahead of time and we might give a few suggestions or we might do a little bit of coaching on the stories. And then we take the stories and we read them. And then I have to go write songs. Now I figured out that I can hire other songwriters to, to do it with me. But because writing seven songs for seven stories every show was a lot. <laughs> but anyway, we write the stories. We're sorry, we write the songs. We rehearse the songs the day of the show. It's all very like spontaneous, let's put it together, we can make a show. If you hire the right people for anything, the job gets done and it gets done really well. So luckily I think one of my skills is that I know who to call for, <laughs> like who's the best person, who's the best keyboard player I can call, who's the best drummer, who are the best storytellers I can call. And then while maintaining our mission of diversity on stage, obviously, because that's important that the audience has that experience. Our audience is generally homogenous, a little bit homogenous, generally. So it's diverse, but it's, there's, there's more, there's more kind of white middle-aged maybe folks in the audience, which is great because that's our target. That's who we're trying to reach with stories of other cultures and other races and other experiences. I love that about theater because theater brings you in contact with experiences you would not have otherwise, even if it's very fantastical musicals, things like that, that obviously nobody's gonna be walking down the street breaking into song like West Side Story. <laughs> but, but it's still insights into lived experiences other than your own. That's why I love theater for that because it really does provide an opportunity for the audience to, to step outside themselves for a minute. So that's the theater piece of what you do. Tell me about the other part of Story Jam where you're getting people who are not theater people to necessarily to step outside of possibly their very buttoned up professional selves and share their story. I'm thinking about the person in recovery that you were talking about telling their story on stage and how 
how being open in that way build a bridge between that person and the audience and the same people in the audience that if they saw him on the street or heard a story about his past behavior would at best ignore him at worst consider him a threat yeah. how do you get executives how do you get people within companies to let the guard down a little bit and let people in to, with their stories Oh, it's so true. There, there needs to be some convincing sometimes. And what I think we need to break down in general is this idea that we have to be buttoned up and we have to be polished and perfect because that's not humanity. And people are way more relatable, especially salespeople. They're way more relatable if they're just who they are and they show some honesty. We say in storytelling, tell a story from your scars, not your wounds. So if you have stories that you've that you are able to share that are that were difficult challenges, but you've gotten through them and you're here to tell the story, that just makes you even more interesting and relatable to your clients, I think. So when we're in these training sessions with businesses, it's not like a room full of actors who are just ready to go, let me tell you my whole life story. So we do some exercises to warm people up. We do some little icebreakers and we have special exercises. And then we give a lot of science information. If the group is science oriented, oriented we say, hey, did you know that when you hear a story, you use only 5% of your brain when you hear, see graphs and figures, but you use 80% of your brain when you hear, when those facts and figures are embedded in story. So we start sharing some science stuff to get everybody on board and to say storytelling really is a thing and it matters and you there are hormones that are released when you hear and there is a connection an emotional connection actually that is made when someone shares a story we have we we lay that out at first and then we do the icebreakers and then believe it or not before you know it people start sharing people start somehow finding their way to sharing true stories and there's a range there's a spectrum of storytelling there's like your worst day of your life ever and then there's oh this challenging day at work so there's we're not asking people to to tell us their innermost secrets in storytelling we're asking them to just share a little bit about themselves so for our listeners who are interested in storytelling in their own life, not necessarily getting up on stage to to share their scars, which I think that's wonderful advice to share from your scars, not your wounds. And I, I think that's great advice for anybody, even if you aren't necessarily officially telling a story, I think that's a really great place to operate from. But what exercises could our listeners do now without any professional guidance from you to be able to start to think about how to share parts of their stories to help connect with other humans. Okay, here's a super simple one, right? It's called the timeline. You get a piece of paper, blank piece of paper. Let's call it this piece of paper. And you'd go horizontally. This one's a little shabby, but you make a line all the way across and maybe a line lower and make four or five of those lines, okay? And it's on the very far left is birth and on the very far right is now, okay? So you make these lines and each line is a different aspect of your life. So you could say all of the homes I've lived in from birth to now, all of the jobs I've had from birth to now, all of the my uh, all of my friend best friends from birth to whatever. So you you start making a little chart of your life and you can go as you can 
all of the people I've been in love with from birth down. You can go as personal and intimate or as general as you like. And then you start to pinpoint things or even all of the days where I wanted to quit. (laughs) (laughs) All of the clients who challenged my job, all of the bosses who were, who, you know, I've ever had all of the boss. So you can just, you start to categorize your life and then you look and then you say, that moment is something that's a real story that I could share a life lesson with. Because sometimes the best stories have a life lesson built into them. But when we train people, we don't, we try to stay away from didacticism. And so I learned this, therefore you should always do this thing and, or never, ever do this. So we cloak that message into the story, ending a story with, and I was driving home from the meeting when it, when I realized I, I am as, I'm the most creative person I know, and I know I can solve this problem. And that's when I, so you do it more subtly rather than telling people what to do. Yeah, most people don't like being told what to do. And in storytelling, in live lit storytelling, which is in performance storytelling, performative storytelling, we don't, we really don't necessarily need to have those messages so strongly mm-hmm. embedded. But in, in the corporate setting, it's helpful to hear what you learned and how you changed as a person in this situation and how that betters your you know, your ability to do your work. So tell me about the online version of what you're doing so that people who aren't in the Chicagoland area might be able to take advantage of it. Oh, wow. We have so many cool things. It's unbelievably fun. We have classes online. So they're at, if you go to storyjamstudio.com, classes are all of our information about classes, trainings, workshops, and we work with adults mostly. We do work with children sometimes. So we work with, we have a group of girls that we work with sometimes through After School Matters and they're girls. It's a program in Chicago that are, that are mostly in the underserved communities. And it's like girls who have been through a lot of trauma and we have a social worker who we partner with and we teach them storytelling techniques and help them get their stories out because also there is the therapeutic aspect of storytelling when you have a story that's really laying on your chest getting it off your chest as they say has therapeutic it's been studied we talk about it in our classes sometimes but if we have a but if we have a social worker we partner with them but for adults we have online classes we have a writing class every friday you'd have to miss work maybe it's in the fr- afternoons on fridays i think your boss would understand if you're doing <laughs> skill building like this but then we have nighttime classes storytelling classes trainings we are actually hosting a retreat in about 4 weeks in person so that you'd have to come to the chicago area but it's going to be a beautiful weekend setting and then we have a week's worth of workshops leading up to the weekend so we have many things on the website oh that's exciting oh such good stuff so I want to give you a chance to show off your own storytelling skills. Do you have a Do you have a quick story you could share with us? Oh man, I didn't know you were going to put me on the spot. <laughs> I have a feeling you can probably tell me a story. Did I tell you? Did I tell you we chatted for a moment before? To, and did I tell you the story? Because it I, this is just recent and it it still shocks and surprises me but i told you the story i don't know if i've shared it but the event we were were invited to do a corporate event and it's all on zoom and this is pretty recent and 
I'm trying to do our exercises and I'm talking about our story storytelling and the impact storytelling has and how awesome it is. And everyone's videos and microphones are off. It's on Zoom and no one has any interest. They're required to be there. They already hate me. <laughs> it's not going well at all. It's just a disaster. It's, a, it's just an absolute disaster. And then, so I'm trying this this icebreaker, this icebreaker, and they're, they're a younger group. So I think there are 12 of them and they're just a younger, newer group and they're uh, very timid. So I say, okay, I get it. Nobody wants to be here. Cool. I understand. Why don't I just tell you all, all a story? And I told this story. It's Halloween of 2005 and the doorbell rings and it's this beautiful kid with a big Afro. <laughs> He looks about four years old and he says, can you take me trick or treating? And I say, yeah, sure. But where's your mom? Where's your family? And he just shrugs and points down the street. So we take him and pretty soon he starts showing up at our house during dinner time. And pretty soon he starts calling my son, his little baby brother. And pretty soon he's at our house a lot. And his name is Woody. And I say, Woody, where's your mom? Where's your family? And he says he lives with his grandma, but she's always working and he sleeps on the couch in the living room and she smokes a lot and it makes him cough. And I say, Woody, maybe can you tell your grandmother I'd love to talk to her? Maybe you can come sleep at our house sometimes. So I talked to her and she says, sure, no problem. And he starts staying over and pretty soon he's a part of our family and he's coming over often. And in eighth grade, when he's in eighth grade, I lose track of him a little bit and I don't see him. He stops coming over. So I go to his school and I say, hey, excuse me, do you know Woody? And do you know if he's okay? And the woman I'm talking to is the vice principal. And she says, I'm sorry, ma'am, who are you? And I say, I'm his mother. Mm. And I, it just blurts out of me. Woody ends up coming to stay with us and leaving us and staying with us and leaving us often. And there is a time when he is in high school where we lose him completely. And my husband goes into the hood and we find out that Woody has joined a gang and that he's making very bad choices with his life. So we almost give up. But this year in January, the doorbell rings and it's Woody and he's 25 years old and he is here to spend his birthday with his family. I was hoping you would tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I had mentioned it. It's, it's so, the here's the story though of that. So that's the inner story, but the outer story is that everybody in the Zoom started turning on their cameras and their microphones because I'm talking about this kind of foster situation kid. We call him our like a son. He's not officially a son. But then everybody, every single person in the room said, I, I have, uh, I was a foster kid. I have, I want to be a foster parent. I'm a, in the middle of adopting two kids right now, or my husband and I haven't adopted. Every single person had a story and they had no idea. Most of them had been working together for about seven years mm -hmm. and they had no idea. They all had this in common. It was like remarkable. It still blows my mind. Like really? Nobody talked about their personal lives. I'm so glad that you mentioned that this was done over Zoom because that comes up so much in my work that being remote for these past few years has been really challenging. We haven't been able to connect with one another the way that we used to. Ha ha ha. Maybe you're not telling enough stories. 
Ah, it's true. I that story, the Woody story, is um a little. I went on a little too long because I was like meand meandering a little, trying to remember. But it's really a story that should be told in about 90 to 99 seconds. And that's all you need. You need 60 seconds to tell a story, really. You start with some kind of a problem. You have an issue of some kind. And you need to get something, gain something, lose something, win something. You need something. The character, which is you, needs something to happen, right? And Or there's just a conflict. There's just a big problem in the way. And then what we say in storytelling is that a story is the plot that's the story and then but there's also the internal story which is what's really going on inside of you what are you thinking like i was thinking where is this kid's family who is his family and then i find out at the end we're his family which is a sweet a sweet story in our lives that that is very meaningful to us but it also by telling you that hopefully you can say oh she's relatable and that's a story i can relate to something was missing and then it wasn't missing any anymore and there are a lot of ways to tell a story there are a million ways to tell a story right but you want to think of what do you want your audience to take away and what's your what's the impact you're trying to achieve right I love this so much. We, I could talk with you all day about storytelling, but we are coming up on the end of our time. Steph, I know you gave the website earlier. Go ahead and give it again so that our listeners can check you out. Thanks. Okay, so our website is storyjamshow.com. Excellent. Thank you so much. And if you want more information on Envision Rise, you can find us at envisionrise.com. Steph Rogers, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you. Thank you, Stacey. What fun. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember, diversity and inclusion should not be treated as a one-off initiative. And so with your help, we can get this message to more people. Subscribe, rate, and review the show and be a part of making a difference because it starts with you.